somebody said amen. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Apologize, we're having technical difficulties with our screen, our computer today. So we'll just have to listen closely as we read the verses and turn to them quick if you have your Bibles. I feel very passionately about what I'm going to speak about today. I believe I absolutely have a word from the Lord for this church today. I'm going to preach today and uh, speak to. Actually, I'm just going to teach. I'm just going to talk to us. And uh, it's going to be a two-part. God's even kind of dealing with me that this might turn into a series possibly. But I'm going to deal both lessons today, both services today on pretty much the same topic. I want to, um, as I was preparing for this, I got a text from Brother Rima this morning. Amen. He texted me. I pray the boldness of God upon you this morning to speak by faith of things to come. And I feel very strongly impressed of the Holy Ghost that I'm going to be speaking today on things to come. Things to come. Appreciate Brother Rima praying for me this morning. I want to address something today that I feel is extremely important. Not only for where we currently are as a church, but as I've already mentioned, where we're headed things to come, where we're going as a church. But I want to talk about the body of Christ. I want to talk about the body of Christ. Not a real fancy title, but we're going to talk about the body of Christ. I really believe that if we could get a hold of the power that resides within the body of Christ, it would take us to a level in him It would take us to a level of revival. It would take us to a level of apostolic outpouring that we have never witnessed to this point. And I believe the reason why we haven't got to that next level is because we don't truly understand the power of the body of Christ. But how many know that sometimes to get to the next level, it requires us to change the way we've always thought? Not just in spiritual stuff, in anything. If you're you're going to go to the next level, many times it it takes you changing the way that you've always thought about something and changing the way uh, that you you think something should be done or uh, because it's always been done that way, it should always be done that way. And in order to get to the next level, you've got to have a change of thinking first. Sometimes in order to get us to the next level, it requires us to be willing to, to set aside some, uh, some mindsets and some preconceived ideas and some uh, presupposed views about the things that we have held for many years. Now, don't get worried. I'm not going to be talking about doctrinal issues today. I'm not going to be talking about I- I- any of those kind of things. But I do believe there are certain things that we have uh, thought about and have uh, contemplated in our minds concerning God and church and revival and growth that, that must be challenged before they can ever change. Because as long as you continue thinking something is the right way, you'll continue thinking that. The only, the only way that, that, that your thinking and my thinking can change about something is if it is challenged. Somebody said Amen. For instance, as long as mankind had the mindset that they couldn't fly, they never did. As long as mankind had the mindset that they couldn't walk on the moon, they never did. 
As long as mankind had the mindset that nobody could run a mile in under four minutes, they never did. It never happened. But somewhere along the line, someone or someones, a group of someones, began to think differently. And when their mindsets and when their views began to change, that's when they began to to, to have things happen that have never happened before. When mindsets and thought patterns began to change, it opened up the doors of possibility that caused mankind to begin to fly and to walk on the moon and to run a mile in under four minutes. But, but many times, in order to accomplish something that has never been accomplished, it takes someone or a group of someones changing the way they view something, changing the way they feel like something should be done. Somebody said, Amen. And the changing of one's mind is sometimes very difficult to do. And to talk about change as it applies to to something that someone has held fast to for so long or has vocalized so deeply or has demonstrated so fervently can be very tough. And in some people's view, Almost an impossibility. I've said this for years. I've thought this way for years. I've vocalized this very thing to a bunch of different people. And now you're going to challenge me in what the belief I've had for 10 years? And there's going to be some resistance in that because change does not happen easily. But you can't change outwardly until you first change inwardly. You you can't change something about what you do and what we do as a church or what we're going to allow God to do unless we first change here. Somebody said amen. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. Ask yourselves this question. And it's possible that Somebody might misread me today and go home and say things that I didn't say. I'm going to run that risk because I've heard from the Lord. Ask yourself this question. How would it affect your walk with God if you did not have direct access to me as your pastor like you do now? Some of you have my cell number. Some of you, all of you have access to my home number. Many of you call me, email me, ask me to set up times to meet with you, discuss certain things that are going on in your life. And I'm completely fine with that at the level we are now. But would it affect your walk with God if you didn't have access to me like that? How would it affect your Christianity if you didn't have my phone number and you couldn't call my house? How would it affect your walk with God if you couldn't just find me after church and talk to me about the issues in your life or just stop by my office for a bit of advice? How would that change your walk? I'm not saying that I mind any of this 
currently. What I'm, I'm asking is this. How would it affect your walk with God if you didn't have direct access to me as your pastor? Or to, to any pastor, or, you know, whatever. Would it negatively affect your walk with God? Hear me now. Would it negatively affect your walk with God if I as the pastor would preach and teach and cast vision to the entire church? Minister to the entire church publicly, but only minister on a personal level to those who were on the leadership team. I want you to think about that for a moment. I want you to think about that for a moment as I turn your attention to the word of the Lord where it gives us a description of the book of Acts church that we all want to follow after. We all want to be Book of Acts church. We all want to be a Book of Acts church. We all want this church to be just like the Book of Acts church. That's what we pray about. That's what we fast about. We want to be Book of Acts. I'm fasting so we'll be Book of Acts. I'm praying so we'll be Book of Acts. So let me give you a little instruction here. A little, the Word of God gives us a description of that Book of Acts church that we all want to be a part of and be like. And the book says this in Acts chapter 21 and verse 20. Acts chapter 21, verse 20. And when they heard it, they glorified the Lord and said unto him, Thou seest, brother, how many thousands of Jews there are which believe. And they are zealous of the law. Somebody say thousands. This verse is giving us insight into just how many people were a part of the church at Jerusalem. This church of Acts that we all want to be, this church of Jerusalem, this is giving us some insight here on what this church looked like. For it says that there were many thousands, many thousands of believers. In fact, that word thousands there is the Greek word maurice, which literally means tens of thousands. Or even it means a number that is so great that it could not be counted. You got to understand now, the church, they, they, they didn't have a building like we have and they all come and there was ushers at the door clicking them off. Okay, blah, blah, blah. No. There was houses and they, and they, they, they had church all over the city. And they, these people were praying people through and these people were praying through and there's people were getting the Holy Ghost here and baptizing here. There was no way. They didn't have computers. They didn't have emails and texts. They didn't have none of that kind of stuff. What this is saying is there was so much growth and so much revival and the church was so large that it was impossible for them to keep track of how large it was getting. Some biblical historians put the number of people in the book of Acts church in Jerusalem, this church that we all want to be like, they, they put the number of people between 20 and 30,000 people in the church. So now, let's get honest with ourselves. Do we really want a book of Acts church? Hear me. We're not in rural America. We are not in a town of 1,500 people. We are in a town of, in an area of almost 8 million people. So the potential of us having a book of Acts church is not out of the question. The question is, do we really want a book of Acts church? Okay, we say yes, but here, listen. Or do we just want a book of Acts church in doctrine and experience and worship but not a book of Acts church when it comes to having a vast increase of the amount of people that we are worshiping with every Sunday. 
Bring it on home now. But let's remember, they started off with 120. But then just a few hours later, there were now 3,000 added to that church. Think about it. We average here around 130 to 150. So how would things have to change in order to accommodate 200 more people? We're not even talking 20 or 30,000. Let's just talk 200. How would things have to change to accommodate 500 more people? We want to be Book of Acts. We're praying for Book of Acts. Okay, let's talk about it. How would things have to change between our ears? I'm not talking about more seats and bigger buildings. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about how would things have to change between our ears in order for us to have a thousand more people come to our church. In order for that to happen, there would have to be some change in the way we think. There would have to be some change in the way the ministry process happens around here. The question is this, can God trust that we will allow him to change the way we think about things in order for him to pour out the revival that we are praying for and fasting for? For instance, let's bring it on home. For instance, I as the pastor couldn't make every hospital call. I couldn't call every single person who missed. I couldn't be at every birthday party. I couldn't be at every one of your get-togethers and every one of your gatherings and every one of your family moments. I couldn't. It's not that I wouldn't want to. It's I couldn't. If I went to all your family stuff, I wouldn't have a family. I couldn't, here, this is where it gets even worse. I couldn't do all the counseling. I couldn't meet the needs of every single person who calls this church home. I don't think any of you would expect me as the pastor to give out my cell number to 5,000 people. Much less or even 500 people. And say... Call me whenever you have a problem. Okay, now we, we're agreeing with all of this in principle, but it gets tough when you start agreeing with it in practice. It makes sense in a, in, a, in a setting like this when you look around and say, we don't have a thousand. And we can agree with it because it's right, but, the, but when it starts to affect us is when we really see, do we really have the change in our minds? Listen, Please don't get me wrong today. I'm not telling you, you know, that I don't want anybody to, I want everybody to stop calling me. I'm telling you that I'm, I'm not telling you I'm no longer available for you. I'm, I'm not saying that for where we are now. I'm trying to get us to think about the mindsets and the views that we currently have that are going to have to change if, if we're going to truly have the revival that we say we want to have. I'll give you another for instance. And, I, and please... There's been a couple of you that have said this to me, and I'm not trying to embarrass you at all. A couple of you have made these comments to me, and I, honestly, I'm not trying to embarrass you. I'm, 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 I want the Holy Ghost to change the way we think. I, I've had some people tell me about conversations that you've had with 
with friends or family members that, that went to, to large churches in the city or, you know, whatever, large, large churches, mega churches, and you've had conversations with these people, and, and, and the, the person has told you that they were frustrated with the fact that they didn't really have personal access to the pastor. And in response to that, you told them this, come to our church because we don't have that problem here. For around here, you can talk to the pastor whenever you want. You, you can get advice from the pastor. Just stop by his office. Call him. Set up a meeting. He's there for you. And where is that's true right now? The problem with that is that is not revival thinking. And it's not a book of Acts mindset at all. For listen, the only way that the trend around here can continue as far as me being able to meet the needs of every saint in the church is if our church never grows beyond the level that it's at right now. To be honest with you, I can't even meet all the needs that we have currently. So when our mindset is such that it feels like it's the pastor's role and it's the pastor's responsibility to meet the needs of all the people, then what we're really saying is that our thinking will not allow our church to grow numerically too much past the point where it is right now. And when our thinking stops us, our revival stops and we can shout, and we can preach, and we can pray, and we can fast about revival all that we want. But if our thinking never changes, all we will ever be doing is preaching and praying and fasting for greater numerical growth, and we will never see it. So in saying all of that, I want you to, I want you to take a look at the book of Acts. In order that we might find and see how church growth and revival was handled. For I believe the Lord has, an, has established an apostolic pattern that if we will follow after it, not only will our church be able to grow numerically, but more importantly, all members of that church will be able to be ministered to effectively. For God would never establish a pattern and a plan where we just have to endure our struggles alone at the sake of growth. Are you with me? God's too smart to do that. God would never establish a principle for growth where we just have to re resign ourselves that we'll never be ministered to because that's the only way that growth and revival can happen is if I'm not ministered to. That's not God's will at all. I believe God has established a pattern for revival in his word that if we'll be willing to change our current thinking in order to adopt this biblical mindset, our needs will be met and there will never be a limit placed upon our church for how large we can grow numerically. Are you ready? Let me show you this apostolic pattern. We know, I don't, have, I don't think I have to... to to prove this to you, we know that Jesus trained the 12 apostles to lead the church. Once it was established, he had the, the, the 12 
three and a half years of ministry teaching, poured himself into them, mentored them so that they could then lead the church once it was established on the day of Pentecost. So at the inception of the church, when it was still relatively small compared to what it would be in the future, there were 12 individuals who ministered to the people. But then watch what happened. Acts chapter 6 and verse 1. And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Notice now, the church was growing. And because it was growing, there were greater needs and greater demands being placed on the apostles to minister to the needs of all the people in the church. So look at what it says next. Acts chapter 6 and verse 2. So the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Now you got to get this. This is, I'm going to talk about it in a minute, but this, what this is saying is up until this point, I believe this is inferring the fact that the apostles were the ones taking care of the widows. The apostles were doing it. The church was small enough at that point where the apostles could do maybe what they were called to do, but then also take care of the widows. Here you got to get this. It was not that the apostles felt like taking care of the widows was beneath them because the apostles had already been doing it. It was not that they were saying, well, I'm the apostle. I don't take care of tables. They were taking care of the widows already. But what they said was, it's not right that we should leave what God has called us to perform to do something that someone else can perform Maybe even better than we. Verse 3. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among the seven men of look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. We will do what we've been called to do. Notice now, up until this point, I believe, as I've already said, the scripture here infers that it was the responsibility of the, the apostles to minister to these widows. But now the church has grown. And they were asking for those in the church, hear me, to appoint others to do what they had previously done. So that in turn, they could do, the apostles could do, what only they could do. Now... Here we go. The first mindset that has to change, and the first mindset that has to be challenged if we're going to experience a book of Acts church is that the church has to be willing, hear me, the church has to be willing to appoint others to accomplish the same tasks that up until that point the pastor had always accomplished. So as then to be able to free up the pastor and senior leadership to accomplish what only they can accomplish. This is where it gets so hard. For over time, if we've been in church very long, we begin associating certain ministries and certain roles with the pastor. 
And therefore, we have a real difficult time making allowance for anyone else but the pastor to perform that role. Are you with me today? Example. A few years ago, we started the family care ministry. Family care ministry, Sister Vera is doing a great, great job with it currently. The reason is, is because, you know, I, I realized that there were people that, that were, you know, that weren't here on Sundays and we didn't know why and we wanted to minister to them and help them, call them, pray for them, whatever. But there were those who felt like it was my job to call everyone who misses church and check up on every single person who missed. And because I was no longer doing it, they got upset. Now, I still, I still call a few when the Lord lays upon my heart and prayer or whatever. I, I'll feel impressed of the Holy Ghost to call. I'll call a handful of people a week. But the question is this. Are we willing to allow our mindsets to change to the point where when Sister Vera calls or when someone else in the family care ministry calls or when just another brother or sister in the Lord calls that we feel cared for, ministered to, and loved by the church. You see, because here, here's why. If you don't change this thinking, you can have one or two or three of people in the church that love you, call you, but unless pastor calls you, you don't feel cared for by the church. Why? Because you have a mindset that associates that role with the pastor. And if the pastor isn't fulfilling that role, then it's not getting accomplished. And I'm not being ministered to. And I'm not loved. And nobody cares. Have we appointed others in the body of Christ? Besides the pastor, to a place in our hearts and to a place in our minds where we'll allow them to begin ministering to us in a greater capacity and a greater role. And hear me. And not feel cheated because it's not the pastor who's doing it. Listen, I know, I know up until, the, up until now I've done the majority of the counseling. I realize this. It's fine. Love to help. But if we have a book of Acts revival like we say we want, I won't be always able to do all the counseling. So somewhere along the line, we're going to have to have a transition in our minds to start allowing for the possibility that someone else might start doing the counseling. For I believe that in this book of Acts revival, there can be those who are here presently or there can be those who God sends. Is it out of the realm of possibility that God could send us a licensed counselor who would have far greater expertise and wisdom than I in the realm of counseling certain issues? 
that's not out of the realm of possibility. The issue is, will we allow them to counsel us? Since the phrase pastor is not before their name. We need to allow someone else to take over the position and ministry that is currently being accomplished by me that I alone can't accomplish. Are you with me? There are certain things that I only can do. It's not because of who I am. It's just because of the role that God has called me to fulfill. But everything else can be done by others. The issue is, will we allow others to do it? I thank God that this church has accepted the preaching and teaching ministry of Brother Reem and Brother Hawks and Brother George and Brother Tim and Brother Eric and as well as the other ministers in our church. And you know what you know what I really thank God? I thank God that overall this church has accepted the ministries of our ladies to teach and to speak. Why? Because I don't believe that the entirety of preaching and teaching ministry that goes forth over this, this pulpit has to be done by me. Certain things, yeah, nobody else in this room can talk, talk about what I'm talking about today. I'd set them down quick. But I think there are many of our God-called ministers in this church who are gifted and anointed that can minister to every single person in this room who allows them to do so. I'm going to get a little bold right now. Shame on you. If when Brother Rima steps behind this pulpit or Brother Hawk steps behind this pulpit or Brother George, Brother Tim, or Brother Eric, shame on you if you check out. Shame on you. If you say, that's not the pastor, therefore they can't minister to me. So let me just tune them out and think about what I got to do tomorrow until we can dismiss. Shame on you. Which leads us to the next thing I want us to show. I want to show us from this passage. Watch this now. Acts chapter 6 verse 3. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you. Seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. The thing I need you to see is that the apostles didn't appoint the people to position of ministry in the lives of those in the church. They simply told the church folks to look to those that they were worshiping with currently and allow those people that they were currently worshiping with to step into a place of ministry in their lives. Again, again, this is where our mindsets have to be willing to change. For if we are going to experience Book of Acts revival, it's only going to happen if all people are being ministered to. How are we going to have a church of 500 if 400 of them aren't being ministered to? We're not going to keep them very long. If we're going to have Book of Acts revival, growth, large church, it's going to be because everybody that come here feels like I am being ministered to. I am a part of a church that ministers to the needs that I have. But the only way that all the people will be ministered to is if we stop looking solely to those on the platform to minister to us. 
And we start recognizing that there are those on the pews that can minister to us as well. He said, you look out amongst you. Don't look up here to us 12. You look out amongst yourselves. And find some folks that will minister to you. We need to be willing to look at those that we're sitting beside right now or sitting behind or in front of right now and make the decision that we're going to allow them to step into a place of ministry to the Holy Ghost in this place. Even though they might not be the pastor, even though they might not even be on the leadership team, even though they might not have any kind of title at all, we need to be willing to see enough Holy Ghost anointing in the lives of our brothers and sisters so as to get to the place where we value their ministry in our lives. I don't have any more Holy Ghost in me than you have in you. Listen, you want to know what it all boils down to? A word that we might have heard a few times around here. Submission. For when we truly get to the place in our lives, hear this right now. When we truly get to the place in our lives, when we can esteem all others above ourselves. That's the moment that the pool of ministers that can speak into our lives and be blessing to us goes from a handful of people to many people. Come here, Brother Rima, quick. Come here, Brother Hawks, quick. Quick, 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 quick. If I'm only submitted and esteem Brother Brother Rima and Brother Hawks, and I've only esteemed them, these are the only ones that can minister to me. And what have I just done? I have just turned my back on Sister LaCritia and Brother Lamont. Because these are the only two that I've esteemed to a place of ministry in my life. Thank you. What time is it? Oh, man. Mm. It all boils down to submission. And the moment you begin to be submitted to everybody and not just a few, the moment you begin to esteem everybody higher than yourself and not just a few, is the moment that the pool of ministers that can speak into your life and bless you and encourage you and strengthen you, the, minute, the, the moment that that quadruples in your life. Watch what happens next. Acts chapter 6 verse 5. Uh, this, this, this shook me. This, this, is, this is it right here. And the saying, they, they say, you, you look out amongst you and you get people to minister to you. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. Not a portion, not a half. All of them. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Ghost. And they chose Philip and Prochorus and Nicanor and Timon and Parmenas and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed for them, they laid their hands on them. Notice, it pleased 
the whole multitude to look out amongst themselves and appoint ministers to minister to them other than the apostles. Now remember, remember, they didn't have hundreds of years of church culture to deal with. They weren't used to church being done a certain way. They weren't, church, they weren't used to church being done a particular fashion. They hadn't yet had the time to begin associating senior leadership with certain roles and responsibilities that they felt like they should or had to perform. They didn't have time for all that. So when it was announced to the church that they should appoint others to take over certain ministry roles that up until that point the apostles had previously accomplished, the Bible doesn't say that the people grumbled. They didn't complain. They didn't think the apostles were just trying to get out of a little work. The Bible says that it pleased the whole multitude. Why? Because they understood that not only would the needs of the church be met in a greater and more efficient fashion, and not only would it allow the apostles to be released to focus on the things that only they could do, but ultimately it was the, what was best for the entire church. And it was the pattern that God had established for bringing about a book of Acts revival. And any present day church that desires to have a real apostolic book of Acts revival needs to be willing to have the same mindset and the same thought process and the same attitude that they had in the book And that means, let's bring it on down, that means that it should be pleasing to us as well to allow others to minister to us who are not the pastor. Notice, I didn't say we would grumble about it, complain about it. When we get to the place where it is pleasing to us. That's when we know we are on the right track. It should be pleasing to us to allow others that we've chosen from the family of God to minister to us on deep levels. It should be pleasing to us to allow our brothers and sisters in the Lord, in the body of Christ with us, a place in our living where they can bless us, strengthen us, encourage us, ready, critique us, challenge us, chasten us, and overall love us. That should be pleasing. You see, when, when you have that, I, I'm, I'm going to mess with you. Who, who are you to challenge me in this form? You're not the pastor. Who, who are you to, who are you to 
to, to, to say this about me or my, my living or encourage me in this manner or point something out that I'm doing that might not be godly or righteous. You're not Pastor Anthony. What are we doing? What are we doing? We have a mindset that says the only person who can speak to me about this kind of stuff is Pastor. And if we allow that mindset to permeate our church, we will stay at the level where the amount of people that Pastor can minister to is what we have right now. Who, who are you to say that to me? Well, if Pastor Anthony didn't say it. Now listen, I understand this is, this is, a, this is a high principle here. I understand this. I couldn't just teach this anywhere. I can do it here. This is a high principle, and it opens doors for abuse. I understand that. But I'm unwilling to not talk about it and preach about it because of the potential of a few people abusing it. When if the majority of people will grasp it, it's going to take us to the next level. It should be pleasing to us. Here's the thing, and here, here it is. If, if doing that, if, if looking amongst us and allowing others to minister to us and strengthen us and build us up and talk to us when we're not doing something right, and if doing that feels like plan B or option number two, then we've missed the point entirely. And we'll never witness what God wants us to witness. If having others in the church ministering to us feels like merely a substitute for having the pastor minister to us, then we have missed the pattern completely. But if we could get our minds and our thinking to change in order to get to the point where it pleases us, to have others in the family of God minister to us, then we know we are on track for where God truly desires for us to be. Okay, now, now watch, ready? Let's put, amen, amen, amen. Let's, let's, let's put this into practice. If we can get to the point in our thinking where it is all the same to us, if one of our brothers and sisters in the Lord prays for us in the hospital or if the pastor prays for us in the hospital, that's when we know I can't go to every hospital call. Now, I sure enough can't go to every hospital call when we have 300 and 500 and 1,000. Somewhere something has to break in our thinking where not only us, you see here, I'm glad we don't have a clock anymore. Here's what we have to understand. Sheep begat sheep. When a camel has offspring, they don't give offspring to a, a horse. That's real deep. Write that down. 
you reproduce what you are. If we have a mindset and a thought process that thinks pastor has to do everything, we are going to reproduce that. And the thing is, is we can only reproduce that so far to the point where pastor is unable to do it. And then that's where revival stops and that's where growth stops. But if we as a body of believers can start having a change of mind and a change of thought where we understand that God has placed the body of Christ to minister to me and we can think about that, then what happens? We begin to reproduce what we are in the new convert. So then the new convert thinks, I love pastor and I love his preaching, whatever, but if he doesn't show up to my kid's t-ball game, that's fine. And if he doesn't show up to the hospital, that's fine because you know what? I love me some Sister Vera. And I love me some Sister Vivian or I love me some Brother Steve. And when they walk in that hospital room, I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And when they lay their hand on me, I love pastor. And I know pastor's got a role that nobody else can fulfill. But they don't have to show up to everything. Hear me. What happens? Then they began to reproduce that in the people that they went to the Lord. That's where explosive growth can happen. Because if, if growth is going to happen, it's going to be, it's going to happen because needs are being met. And the moment we get out of this concept that pastor has to meet all the needs is the moment we open up the door for a book of Acts revival that God desires for us to have. Oh, I know it's tough. I know it's tough. I know it's tough. Oh, hallelujah. Let, let, let me. All right. Let me skip that. Let's give him hope. Come up here. Last point and I'm done. Last point. I'm going to skip a little bit. Last point and I'm done. I need you to see the power and the outcome of a church that is willing to follow after this principle of allowing the body to minister to the body. You ready? Watch this. Think with me. Scriptures aren't on the screen, but think with me. Let me take you back very quickly to the book of Acts, the beginning of the book of Acts, the beginning of the church, Acts chapter 2, verse 44. It's talking about the church. And all that believed were together and had all things in common, so they understood the principle of unity. They sold all their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need, so they understood the principle of giving and the principle of sacrifice. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. They understood the principle of fellowship. Praising God and having favor with all people. They understood the principle of praise and worship. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Somebody say added. Somebody say added. Notice, from this verse, we see that the church had gained insight and understanding concerning the principles of unity, giving, sacrifice, fellowship, praise, and worship. And because of that, the Lord added to the church. But I want you to see what the outcome was in the same church when they received this revelation concerning this principle of allowing the body to minister to the body. Acts chapter 6 and verse 7. This is the end of what, all the stuff we've just been reading. 
And the word of God, so, so they said, look out amongst, find those people, let them minister to you. And so that's what they did. And, and they, they chose those seven men and they appointed them and they released them to minister in their life. And here's the very next verse. And the word of God increased and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Get this and I'm done. I feel like as a church, we have grasped a hold of the principles of unity and giving and sacrifice and fellowship and praise. And because of that, God has been releasing revival into our midst in the realm of addition. He added to the church. The realm of addition has been, that's how God's been dealing with us. But the moment we get this revelation concerning the principle of the body ministering to the body will be the moment that God ceases to release revival in the realm of addition and he begins to release revival in the realm of multiplication. He multiplied. If we can catch this principle that I'm talking about, I am a firm believer that our church is going to multiply. Our attendance can multiply. Our children's church can multiply. Our youth group can multiply. Our hyphen age group can multiply. Our entire church can multiply. I absolutely believe there is a revival that will multiply our church greatly. That is just waiting on us to grab a hold of the fact that the person beside us, in front of us, and behind us can minister to us as well. There was a revival of multiplication that is just waiting to be released in our midst. The moment we allow God to change the way we think so as to begin allowing the body of Christ to minister to us. Let's stand. Lift our hands in the presence of the Lord right now. With any kind of challenge comes acceptance or resistance. I want us to lift our hands and I want us to pray. That as God began to challenge our thinking today and challenge the way we view things, we would accept it and not resist it. Come on, let's pray.